at irisnetworksusa.com. Time for Attaboy, where we highlight positivity, good stories, good people doing good things. Attaboy is brought to you by Iris Networks, 90 days, no payment for business internet, high quality fiber internet and voice, a Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. Ben, we got a good one today. Absolutely. It's an Atta girl today for Candace Parker, who won her second WNBA championship on Sunday afternoon for the Chicago Sky. Just a, an awesome, awesome story. Spent 13 seasons in Los Angeles with the Sparks, and this past offseason came back home to the Windy City and has proved herself with another team. And as I said, on Sunday, she won her second WNBA title, leading the hometown Chicago Sky to their first championship in franchise history with an 80-74 to win over the Phoenix Mercury. And with her WNBA championships, two NCAA titles, and a pair of Olympic gold medals, she's accomplished just about everything you can accomplish in basketball and has now set herself up to be a, a terrific broadcaster for years to come after she decides to, to hang it up. Uh, she had 16 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals on Sunday. And Parker said, I could have 4 or 5 WNBA titles by now, and I could also have 0. I think it's made me really understand how important possessions are. We think about the last second shot, but every possession is equally important. And I think it's had me become less results-driven and just focus on doing what you're supposed to do. You could literally do everything you're supposed to do and not reach your goal, but are you going to stop working? Uh, Diana Taurasi, who was on the other team, <laughs> said she's the most talented player I've ever been on the court with, hands down. By far, her ability to do certain things on the court at the highest level surpasses everyone. And then what she's been able to do the last four or five years of her career, being elite on the court and doing things off the court that we can all aspire to as well, that's off the charts. She's giving us a voice by doing all the work, and it's not easy work. She's on the forefront fighting for everything we love every day. I envy her for that. I just don't have it in me, and she does it all for us. So congratulations to Candace Parker. She... Uh, she, she gave Pat Summit a shout-out in her post-game interview, said that she knew that Pat was, was watching. Somebody cut onions in my living room at the same time. Uh, also was cutting onions when her and her daughter embraced. Just a, a really cool scene. And, and Candace also uh, dedicated uh, her championship to Kobe and Gigi Bryant. Mm. So classy. Classy Candace, as as always, truly a, a great ambassador for the University of Tennessee and the Lady Vols basketball program. 100%. 100%. Uh, I want to throw this question out before uh, we have on our, our first guest for today, and that is Josh Pate, um, CBS Sports 247, uh, does, a, does a great job uh, with his show. And he was at the game. He has had some strong opinions about um, everything that's transpired in the last couple of uh, hours. 
he got a chance to witness the atmosphere. But here's a question I want to throw out. It is on the poll section on your app. So go to your app and, and you can vote. But we had this question come in on, on YouTube from um, Tawan here about the atmosphere Saturday and how would you compare it to Oklahoma 2015? Says, hey guys, not sure this has been asked, but in your opinion, does the atmosphere from Saturday beat the game versus Oklahoma in 2015? What are y'all thoughts? So, here's a question. Better atmosphere, 2015 versus OU, or 2021 versus Ole Miss? To me, it's the same, and I'm not picking one or the other. Both were electric. Both were awesome. I, I loved the new details that that have been made to the the pregame scene at, at Neyland Stadium. I, I told y'all when I came back from the 2019 Alabama game after JG did what he did in the end zone that the the light show is cool, man. It, it's cool pregame. It, it it truly amps up. The, the atmosphere amps up the stadium. It, it does. As silly as it sounds, it's, it's lights, a light show. I mean, how, how silly is that? It, as y'all saw on Saturday, it contributes to the pregame atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of doing it throughout the game. Alabama does it over the top throughout the game. Like, I, I'll probably have a migraine when, I, when I'm driving back to Huntsville after the game on, on Saturday night. They, they do it throughout the game constantly, and it, it is very annoying. They, they do it too much. But pregame, when they, they show Alabama has a longer walk from its locker room than Tennessee does, um, but they show the, the doors open up to the Bama locker room, Nick Saban walk out, and the players come out, and, and they have that long tunnel that they walk, and the lights are going, the, the crowd's going. I told you all, it, it, it was awesome. It, it, I mean, it. I don't like Alabama, but All right, even, that's enough. even that pregame that's enough. scene. That's enough, Ben. That's but I, enough. I, I raved about it because it's something I wanted Tennessee to do. And I, I don't care if they're copycatting, copying off of Alabama's paper. Like, they did the same thing on Saturday. They showed Tennessee coming out of the locker room. They did the lights. Now, now Tennessee's is better because it's Tennessee, and they put the, the little, uh, what's the, the focus light, uh, the the the, the they had the spotlight yeah. on uh, the T. I thought that was all. I was not expecting that. That was great. Uh, yeah, that was great. And, and the whole stadium was was orange from from the lights as as well. Ain't nothing wrong with being a copycat as long as you copy the right cat. So the, the, everyone right. in the country is trying to copy Alabama right now because you know they're the best program and um, Alabama copied other programs when you know they were behind with their offense. So everybody copies everybody. It's all right. It's it's how you do it. Do you do it right? Do you do it better? So, so I love the like the added details, but in terms of like from opening kickoff to <laughs> end of the game, the atmosphere was. I mean, I'm not picking one or the other. Both were just absolutely electric. So that's the question on the polls. Um, hold that. We're going to take a break, and then we come back. We'll be joined by Josh Pate. We'll talk about this game. Uh, Tennessee, his opinions on Tennessee, Josh Heupel, um, host to a host, host to host. So I love bringing on guys that 
are on the radio that host their own show. Uh, writers are good, but I really get excited about uh, other other show hosts um, because they just bring a, a level of energy to the program that writers they just eh, they just don't bring. So looking forward to our conversation with Josh Pate. Be right back, Swain Event. Brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help. Guys, your health right now is more important than ever. I recommend Low T Center. That's where I get my levels checked. It all starts with the annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment exclusively for men, making it quick and easy to take care of your health. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatment. Most insurance is accepted. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment and make your health a priority. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. At Iris Networks, we know that business communication solutions are critical to your success. Since 1998, we've been helping businesses in East Tennessee by providing reliable and affordable high-speed fiber internet and voice solutions. That's why Iris Networks is your Tennessee communications partner. With internet speeds up to 100 gigs and work-from-anywhere solutions like mobile apps, video conferencing, and file sharing, we make sure you can stay connected to your customers and great communities we live and work in. Iris Networks, because just like you, Tennessee is our home. Out-of-town law firms have been swarming into East Tennessee lately. Firms from Memphis, Chattanooga, and Birmingham have stormed into the area. Wouldn't you rather do business with a local law firm? You know, a true neighbor. Marcos Garza and the pros at the Garza Law Firm are just that. They are our neighbors and friends that support local causes year-round. The Garza Law Firm works to serve you professionally on criminal matters, injuries and accident matters, and Social Security and disability filings. The Garza Law Firm is here for you at GarzaLaw.com. The Garza Law Firm, let us help. Hour 3 of the Swain event is brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. We are going to the Iris Networks hotline to talk to Josh Pate, who's been tearing it up uh, with his show, been doing a great job, got the fans uh, buzzing so much that his fans reached out to me. We have mutual fans. Say, hey, you got to get Josh on. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, Josh, good morning. Thank you so much for, for joining the program today, taking some time out of your morning. Uh, talk a little college football with us, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Look, everybody has mutual friends, but when you can get mutual fans, that's when you're really living. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. 247 Sports, CBS Sports, uh, host of Late Kick Live Plus, uh, uh, Late Kick Live, and then also you have the, the podcast, do a great job right there in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, you were at the game Saturday, Josh. Your 
you know, impressions of uh, the atmosphere, the game, uh, from Ole Miss side, from Tennessee side, the end of the game. Just give us your overall thoughts. It, you know, what I ended up doing, and this is the way my mind works, maybe I'm just weird, but my mind kind of splits it into three compartments. So you got the first, you know, 55-some-odd minutes that was just incredible. It was a great recruiting tool for Tennessee. It was a great spectacle for Tennessee uh, college football. I hadn't been to Neyland myself in about five years. And so it was great to return up there, and that's the way. I saw many people say this. That's the way Neyland Stadium's supposed to look. And that's the way in a bygone era, uh, well, it's not that long ago, but it seems like an eternity ago in some ways, a lot of us remember it being. So that's compartment one. Great. That's a great compartment. You want to live in that compartment. Compartment two was the actual uglier scene towards the end uh, when the trash in the field and the stuff happened. And I don't really think there's a whole lot to say about that. I mean, that, that kind of is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. you don't excuse it or anything like that. Uh, but compartment three was the varied reaction to it. And I was actually in the middle of recording a pod this morning, and I just kind of dovetailed. I kind of segued down that road and ended up torpedoing my own podcast because I went like 10 <laughs> minutes on this. But the more and more I think about it, the more aggravated I've gotten about n- not all but a portion of, of the kind of legacy college football media apparatus that really does not exist to serve college football fans as much as it seems to exist uh, to spite college football fans, even though college football fans are the reason it exists and the reason some of those folks get to have jobs. Mm. And the did you notice the swiftness with which those folks rush to the nearest laptop or nearest typewriter to wag their finger at the entire Tennessee fan base. It's almost like they had the tweets already saved to draft, and they were just waiting on the example. They were waiting on the moment to press send. And it's the same kind of person who would rightly tell me, now, Josh, you can't paint with a broad brush. You can't stereotype an entire group of people because of the actions of a few, which is true. It's a really good axiom for life until it's time for you to practice it in which you don't use any discretion. And so that was kind of compartment three. As much as no one in their right mind is excusing the behavior, you look at these fools out here who want to tell you, well, Jeff from Johnson City and Kelly from Knoxville, you're all the same. Shame on all of you. The Tennessee fan base as a whole. Well, no, that's not the way I saw it at all. I was standing on the field. I had my face to the crowd. I was watching as that stuff rained down. I was down in that end zone. And my vantage point was watching 99% of those folks look around, trying to find the 1% who were throwing stuff. And I got this crazy working theory that maybe a few people threw more than one thing. So it may have been an even smaller crowd than you think it was just by determining ratio based on bottles and debris on field. But no one has to excuse the crowd behavior. No one has to excuse that. Uh, What I think there is an equally poor representation of is the reaction nationally. I mean, there how ridiculous is it that saying something as basic as, well, you know, poor officiating contributed to the mood there, and you don't have to excuse away the fan behavior to acknowledge officiating the problem in this conference, too. How ridiculous is it that that's actually a standout opinion instead of the norm? That should be what everyone's saying right now to yep. me. So, again, that's the way my mind saw it. I know everyone has their own opinion and own perception of it, but that's, that's where my head's at right now. Yeah, Josh, I mean, no one's excusing the actions on Saturday at all. And I think college football at SEC, they have two bigger issues. Because I don't think this is something that happens every week. Um, they'll, they'll find Tennessee, they did yesterday, $250,000. They'll find the people who did it. They'll arrest them, whatever. 
and the penalties will be swift, and we won't see this again uh, or maybe for a long time. But the bigger problem is something that we're going to see Saturday. We're going to see poor officiating, and we're going to see more fake injuries, and I think that's a big concern. It, it should be a monumental concern, and it's what really I think has – it's been boiling. Like you know this, you're on the ground in this conference just like I am. It's been boiling beneath the national surface for several years. I just feel like it's really ramped up lately because I don't feel like the officiating's ever been worse consistently mm. than it has been as of late. And like I said the other night, that's not exclusively an SEC problem, but yet you, in this conference they claim to not wait for others to make a move before they make a move. And they have been true to their word on that. All I'd like the SEC to do is to be a little more consistent in that word and be proactive in making a move on officials. It's insane to me that this organization, this entire brand, it's worth what it's worth, and yet you've got that billion-dollar brand and what I view as kind of a nickel-and-dime officiating branch off that brand. On no planet does that make sense. If I were to get aliens, to land on this planet today, and they were to observe college football, that would make no sense to them. One of many things that would make no sense about this sport. Some of it I love, some of it I don't. But what I, what I cannot stand is the perception, and I may be wrong on this, but I've always gotten the perception that college football, the SEC, they want to cling to that nickel and dime branch because it affords them anonymity. And it affords them the ability not to have to trot a lead official out for a press availability because they can say, well, well, come on, guys. Now, these aren't full-time officials. These guys aren't making high six figures a year, so we can't subject them to that. Well, yeah, you absolutely can. Just pay them high six figures. Hold them to a higher standard. And then, in exchange, let's have some accountability demanded. No one even knows how this operation works. Like, how many of us even know the review process for that officiating crew that was on the field Saturday night in Knoxville. None of us know the grades they got. None of us know when they met with the league or what kind of correspondence they've had with the league. We don't know any of it. We make our players and coaches talk to the media every week, and the actual enforcement branch on field during a game, we know nothing about. It's inexcusable. Yep, and then you, and then you force the coaches to have to bite their tongue and tippy-toe around um, you know, what they saw and what they had to deal with. Because you know they'll they'll get fined or they'll be reprimanded. Um, so I'm I'm with you, Josh. Uh, your take, your opinion on Josh Heupel, what he inherited, what you have seen from Tennessee uh, in the last seven games. So I think it's two things. There's a crowd that has watched every Tennessee game, and then there may be a crowd that just sees the final score. And if you just see the final score, especially as of late when they were racking up all those first half points. You may tend to believe they must have an all-world quarterback and a couple of all-American receivers there. That's what they must have. Well, that's not the case. They're certainly not bad players, but these are not all-American caliber players. What it is is it's been a collective effort that has started to generate some serious offense and generate fast starts. That's not totally independent of some of the defenses they played. I get all that. But it's been a product that's been very exciting. And I think it should be noted one of the many things I think that was lost the other night is how close Tennessee was, not just at the end of the game, but three or four different possessions. It was a one-score game. They got the ball with a chance to take the lead, even with all the things that happened against them that night. 
But what stood out to me the most is thinking to myself, I'm standing there on the field, I'm asking, if they just had one more game-changing player out there, and I could pick a position, but let's say one more game-changing slot receiver, if I had him out there, like what kind of difference would that make in this moment right now? And to me, the difference would be they'd have another W in the column. That's what the difference would be. So what I think he's doing is I think given the hand he was dealt and all the transfer portal uh, departures, I know they added some too, I think he's made close to the best he can make out of a year one situation. What I really wonder, and what I always wonder about a first-year coach, I'm thinking the same thing with Brian Harson at Auburn. You have to wonder what it's going to feel like in December and then early February, the early and late signing date. Like, what is the mood around Tennessee football then? Because I think that most of us, if we're watching this program, you trade some success on the field in year one if you had a ton of momentum and you had a ton of those 50-50 recruiting battles that you were ended up winning because you know what that means down the road. And then you also correlate that with the fact that you've seen this guy already seemingly overachieve a little bit early in his tenure. So what's he going to do when he has the players? Like that's the kind of thing I'm thinking with Josh Heupel. I want to see him, I want to see him win as much as he can in year one, but the fact that they can score now and the fact that when you walk around that program, like I did Saturday to a man and woman, everyone who works at Tennessee tells you, Hey, he's just a good guy. Like he's really easy to want to pull for. Those things are green lights. Those are not red lights. And so I know it's not a fun result Saturday, but if we zoom it out 50,000 feet, I still think things are pointing in the right direction. Josh, you, you kind of answered what I, I want to ask you about. But I'm curious as to your expectations preseason for year one of Josh Heupel compared to where he is now and, and kind of the, the job that you feel like he, he has done to this point and how you think Tennessee finishes out the season. Yeah, the result, anytime I was talking about Josh Heupel in the preseason I didn't talk about record all that much. I talked about style. I talked about what it feels like. And I, it's not unique to what I would say about a lot of first-year coaches, but there hasn't been any landmark, like, groundbreaking upset win they've had. But yet I still feel like things have gone better, <clears throat> relatively speaking, than I thought they would. Because if we were looking at this in the preseason, maybe we would have looked at that Missouri game or something like that. We would have thought, oh, boy, that's going to be nip and tuck. That's going to be back and forth. And it ended up not being that. And so, yeah, does that net you any more than one win that I already expected you maybe to have? No, it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Because when you showed the ability to get a ton of margin on teams that maybe from a point spread perspective you were expected to really fight against, well, that's a hallmark of a guy that when all things are equal is going to end up running away from the opposition. Well, that now we look ahead, and that's why Saturday night's result hurts a little bit, because that was another situation where you had a winnable game. Well, now we look ahead, and things aren't going to be equal. Saturday, you got a defense that was on the field, triple-digit plays, that has to go to Tuscaloosa. Like, that's not going to be all that fun a time, in all likelihood. you got Georgia down the road. Probably not going to be a fun time. And that's where, when the results start tilting a little bit, maybe it gets a little bit harder to stomach, but I don't think it has to be that way. Like, I don't think you have to erase the memory of what's happened and some of the positive steps you've taken earlier in the year what you have to make sure you're doing, though, on the recruiting side of things, is you have to make sure you are crystallizing some of the positive early season momentum, and you're making sure that it's crystallized, maybe not in the fan base's mind, as much as it is in the recruit's mind. So if the recruit has to know, hey, buddy, independent of what happens the rest of the way, you need to know 
down the road, if I have a roster full of guys like you, these results coming up are going to be a lot closer because we'll have a lot more competitive a roster. So right now, don't judge us on that. Judge us on what you've already seen because that's what I want you to know is possible. Like That's where my focus is, even independent of the results with Tennessee. I would say it has been a net overachievement relative to what I expect with preseason. Josh Pate here in the Swain event. You can give him a follow at uh, Late Kick Josh, uh, part of 247 Sports Network, CBS uh, HQ, does a great job. And I want to ask you about SEC, just the, the landscape with the coaches, because this thing is is looking like it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Uh, the LSU job is going to be open. You look at Florida, and, oh, my gosh, they gave up uh, – you know, Gave up some some records to LSU over the past weekend to a team that simply can't run the football. Uh, Dan Mullen looks like he's annoyed. What happens with the Florida job? We'll see. But what's your like overall take on the the conference as far as coaching stability and and what can happen down in Florida? The Florida, I don't think there's a situation in the country right now from a coaching standpoint that's more interesting than Florida. Because I don't think we have a situation there where Dan Mullen runs the risk of just being outright fired, unless there's just disaster down the stretch. I don't think that's where they stand. But, see, it doesn't have to stand there in order for things to move. And that sounds complicated, but really what I mean is this goes back to last year. Remember this time last year there were those NFL rumors with Dan Mullen. Mm -hmm. And I believe there was a lot of validity to them. It's just they were coming from the wrong side. See, typically, like Jason right now, if the NFL wants you as a head coach and the rumors are out there, it's because it's coming from the NFL side of things. Well, that's not the way it happened with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's side was the, the precipitator of a lot of those rumors, and it turned out the NFL wasn't nearly as interested in Dan Mullen as Dan Mullen was in the NFL. But I'm a big believer that he had convinced himself that he was going to the NFL. And if you correlate that with a lot of his actions last year, it makes sense. He carried himself like a guy who knew he was about to be out the door. Well, the problem is he turned the key and the door wouldn't open. And so then he had to turn back to all the folks he had waved by to, and he had to say, never mind, guys, I'm coming back. Well, if anyone has ever had that happen, you know, if a girl's tried to walk out on you and then the other guy rejected her and she tries to come back to you, how receptive are you to her? Yep. Not very. And I think that team has responded to Dan Mullen the same way. And I think some of that fan base, and for that matter, some of the media beat down there has responded to Mullen the same way. If you guys are paying attention to the Florida beat, they have sung a much different tune about Dan Mullen this year than they have the previous three. There are some folks willing to carry the water for Dan Mullen that are not carrying his water anymore. And so I don't know how this is going to wind up because they've probably got some more losses coming. I mean, they've still got to play Georgia, and I don't really think that may be their only loss coming up. I wonder at the end of this year, not only where the Florida administration's head is at, I wonder where Dan Mullen's head's going to be. Because at the very least, if he's there next year, there have to have been wholesale changes made on the defensive staff and their entire recruiting apparatus. And that's not just one or two people. If that's not the case, then at the University of Florida, you've got to either make one of two decisions. Either we've got to make a fundamental change, a head coaching change, which is still hard for me to envision. Or number two, we've got to accept that we just have what we have in Dan Mullen. And if this were Missouri, that would be good enough. But with Florida, it shouldn't be good enough. So 
I don't, I don't know if they've gotten to the point where they can justify just moving on from him. Like, I don't think they're there yet. But if they don't move on from him and he doesn't make massive changes, and that doesn't just mean firing an assistant coach or two. If he doesn't make massive changes, Florida is not waving a white flag, but they're kind of announcing themselves as, well, um, we're not going to be all that serious about winning anymore. Uh, so we'll still be here. And we'll, we'll still be good for seven or eight wins a year, but that's going to be about it. And that's hard to envision from Florida football. Now you're right there, Josh. I mean, I look at I look at Florida's schedule, and they have a bye week this week, which is an important week for them uh, because they better have a, a good showing against Georgia. Not going to win because Georgia's a better football team, but you better show that you have made some improvements in that bye week. You've healed. You have fixed some fundamental issues um, defensively, stopping the run. Uh, you better look like you've done something during the bye week. And then you play South Carolina on the six. You play Samford. You should win that. Uh, but Missouri and Florida State. So you got three games um, where you you should win if you if you you know if you look outside of Stanford and Sanford and Georgia. Uh, but if you let South Carolina hang around and you play down to South Carolina and you play down to Florida State, you play down to Missouri. Josh, we could get a really interesting offseason. I think the Florida State could be the canary in the coal mine, so to speak, because those are programs. Those are teams, not programs. Those are teams going in opposite directions right now. Like, Florida State has been a very, very bad team, but they've played their best football as of late. Mm-hmm. Florida has played their worst football as of extremely late, and if they do not resuscitate themselves down the road, I mean, is Florida State beating Florida any more crazy a notion than LSU beating Florida the way they did last week? I don't really think so. I, I think once you have lost the will to fight, and it's the latter portion of season, and you're facing an inspired team, at that point, I don't really care about points, spreads, and I don't really care about records, man. If you've ever strapped it up, you know what matters is what takes the field that Saturday and or whenever they play. And, man, I'm telling you, if that one were to happen to an already fragile fan base and they were to see Florida State and Mike Norvell after an embarrassing year still beat them, I don't, man, all bets would be off at that point. Woo! Woo! Hey, Josh, man, I got an idea. Hit me. Let's do this again. Hey, I'm on board, man. I've, <laughs> I've got open mornings. i got a cell phone that works. I'm all for it. Let's do it, man. Let's do it, man. Thank you so much for, for chopping it up with us this morning. Uh, 247 Sports, CBS, uh, HQ, doing a great job, my friend. And, man, now I see why people love you, man. You're freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're more kind than my mom is even. I appreciate it, Jay. Hey, just let's, go, let's do it again, Josh, man. Thanks for the time. All right, brother. Appreciate it. See you. Josh Pate here at the Swain Event. Swain Event Fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Uh, let's take a quick break, man. Good stuff from Mr. Pate there. Let's go back to the phones when we come back and bring on Austin Price. Talk some Tennessee football recruiting. It was a... Busy weekend for Tennessee. A lot of recruits on hand. Let's see what they said about the atmosphere. What they saw with the on-field product, offense, defense. We'll talk to Austin Price, VolQuest.com, coming up next. Hour 3 of the Swain event is brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help.
Good morning, Swain Event Crew. Fall is here, and according to the big box stores, it's Christmas time too. This time of year is traditionally a busy one for the East Tennessee real estate market, and it will continue through the end of 2021 as well. Most people think the holidays aren't the right time to buy and sell. However, it is one of the best times to jump in the market. To find out more, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, Keller Williams Realty, at 865-257-7897, or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. And go Vols! J.C.'s Tree and Landscaping Service specializes in quality tree work done at an affordable price. Trimming and removing trees are their specialty. They also offer other services like land clearing, stump grinding, crane services, and all of your basic landscaping needs for both commercial and residential. J.C.'s will give you a free estimate and beat any written quote by a competitor to guarantee that you get the lowest price around. Don't risk your land with a fly-by-night service. J.C.'s Tree and Landscaping is licensed and insured. Give them a call at 865-599-3799. Litter is a big problem in Tennessee, but together we can do big things. We can make our cities, our waterways, our roads cleaner and safer. The Tennessee Department of Transportation is committed to reducing litter in our communities, but we need your help to do it. There are over 100 million pieces of litter in our roads at any given time, and it costs TDOT about $19 million a year just to clean it up. The first step to keeping Tennessee beautiful is to rally behind these three simple words. Nobody trashes Tennessee. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you, so you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done, and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. More and more Tennessee businesses are switching to Iris Networks for reliable, local, high-quality, high-speed business fiber internet. Iris provides direct internet access from 10 megs to 10 gigs with no payments for 90 days. Iris also offers next-generation business phones with work-from-anywhere capability from the mobile or laptop app. With local sales, support, and service, Iris is a partner in the community. Learn more at irisnetworkusa.com or call 865-448-IRIS. Iris Networks, a Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. Hour 3 of the Swain event is brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help. 
Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is hour number three on the program. And let's get to our guy, Austin Price, VolQuest.com. Big weekend for Tennessee as far as recruiting and uh, a lot of really good players in town and a nice weekend for them to visit because the atmosphere was unbelievable and, and Tennessee um, showed a lot, even in the loss. AP, good morning. What's up, James Wayne? What's up, what's up, what's up, man? What's up? Busy week. After the recruits hit Knoxville, what is the consensus from the recruits on, you know, their opinions, their feelings on the weekend here in Knoxville? Well, I think that, you know, on the whole, you know, everything went really, really well. I mean, when you look at, you know, the fact that, you know, some guys I think are getting, you know, are are taking a step closer to, decisions or is anybody imminent i don't think that to be the case but i think tennessee sits in a really good spot with caleb webb wide receiver from mckee turned down in atlanta they sit in a really good spot for a guy like christian harrison the son of rodney harrison who decommitted from liberty yesterday and then i think they sit in you know right near the top for walter nolan and so um all three guys here uh the the first two were here back-to-back weekends and um you know i, I just feel like tennessee's in a good spot for all three guys Again, none of the three are imminent, um, but, you know, I think Tennessee's positioned well there, um, and, and we'll see, you know, kind of where things go over the course of the next four to six weeks. When you say Tennessee's at the top for Walter Nolan, is, like, Tennessee one of the top schools, like one like one of the top two right now? Or you feel like Tennessee right now, today, October the 19th, because we know this can change by the second, by the day, by the hour, like right now Tennessee is, is at the top, top. Well, I think Tennessee, if you're asking my opinion, I just have a tough time when you look at everything involved, whether it being the development side of things, um, you know, uh, with, with Coach Garner, when you look at, you know, NIL opportunities uh, in the state, um, you know, I just feel like, you know, everything involved uh, you know, the family's moved a lot, um, you know, you know, the last few years, you know, being in Memphis and Mississippi and now Knoxville, I don't think they really want to go that route um, again if they, if they don't have to. I mean, I think they're prepared to pick any school if it's the right fit. But I think everything Tennessee offers at this point, um, you know, you know, gives Tennessee a really good shot to land Walter Nolan. Again, a lot of twists and turns between now and December. <laughs> They're going to play all the, you know, I mean, Walter likes the Twitter. I mean, we asked him about that last week when we went out there, and he's like, it's just Twitter. <laughs> you know, he, he likes it. You know, he knows, he knows the, the uh, you know, when he tweets, people take notice of it. So, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I still think Tennessee's in the the best position of all the teams uh, in the end, unless, uh, you know, something happens down the stretch. Austin, just how much momentum do you think Tennessee has gained on the recruiting trail over the last couple of weeks after the two wins over Missouri and South Carolina and then the electric atmosphere on Saturday? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, um, I, you know, I, 
I think they've done the best they could do. I mean, like, I don't think you could have had a better three-week stretch outside of winning the Ole Miss game. Um, but, I mean, again, the, the crowd the crowd and, and the atmosphere, you know, um, made it what it was. Um, you know, I, I just feel like that Tennessee, you know, finally got a little bit of juice in recruiting. I mean, it went so stagnant for so long. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you know, they do got some juice with some kids. And, you know, they continue to, you know, get more juice out there. Um, you know, we'll be interested to see, if, you know, what else happens down the stretch here. Because I think there's some possibilities out there, um, you know, for Tennessee to take some big swings and, and you know, see if they can connect on anything. AwesomePriceVolQuest.com. Uh, we've had this question from people the end of the game stuff from a few fans there how much did that affect the opinion of these recruits if any I I, I don't you know I don't think it affects them kids aren't affected by that stuff when you're 16 17 year old you're laughing about that kind of thing hey 16 me would have been like this is awesome this is where I want to come yeah, well, correct. You know, I think that shows the passion. Uh, you know, of the fan base. You know, what was it the right thing to do? You know, no. I mean, you shouldn't be throwing things. At, like, I mean, like, no. what if I just walked into the food city over here in Hardin Valley and just said, you know, I'm going to just go throw, you know, and just picked up a, you know, uh, you just don't throw stuff. You know, I mean, it, what it looks. The, the, the calls were bad. The Tyler Barron call was egregious. Yep. I mean, you know, the SEC officiating is, is poor, um, you know, and, and everybody knows. But, again, this is, you know, Tennessee fans, you know, feel like a lot of fans do. I mean, like, it ain't just Tennessee fans that feel like, you know, the, the officials screw them. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> at sports in general. But, I mean, like, I literally can – I'm an Alabama fan, and they've gotten more calls that went their way over the last 15 years than any other program. And you can find Alabama fans, they'll, you know, oh, oh, the officials, they're, they're always just, you know, you know, putting us behind the eight ball and hurting us. <laughs> and, I mean, like, you know, something like, again, you, you know, didn't need to throw things, but at the same time, I get the frustration. It was the built up everything involved, everything from that game, coupled with the last 12 years. Tennessee's fans were there again. They answered the bell, ding, 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 and they were there. And, um, you know, in, in a huge game. Tennessee comes up a little bit short. I said this on our podcast this morning. I know no Tennessee fan wants to hear moral victory. Sign me up for the moral victories right now. And here's why. You're literally, it's not even taking a knife to a gunfight. Like, you've got a gun. It has no bullet, and you're having to turn it over and beat people with the butt of the gun. Like, you, you, you have, I mean, like, look what Tennessee was playing with Saturday. Like, the fact that, you know, they were in the game against an offense that has put up points upon points upon points um, with, with, you know, some of the defensive pieces that they've lost, you know, over the last year. Um, with injuries, with injuries on the O-line, with injuries at running back, uh, 
you know, Tennessee's, you know, Tennessee's gotten clobbered the last three years in every game they've lost. They've not been competitive. All of a sudden, Tennessee's competing, and these kids are working their butt off. So, I mean, like, don't talk to me about not wanting to hear about moral victories and, and, and those type of things because, like, I think there, I think there are, you know, there are better things than, you know, I mean, like, it, it's not just win or lose, you know. Otherwise, I mean, like, you're telling me you would rather have had the game Saturday night or you got beat by 25. Because I, 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 I love the way they played. I thought the way they played was inspiring. Heck, man, when all that happened, all the 20-minute delay, all the stuff on the field, they got to stop. Bayless returned a punt, and, and, and they made a couple of plays to get down there to have a chance on the last play of the game. Like, if that don't tell you about the competitive spirit of this team, I don't know what else does. Austin, we all agree that fans shouldn't have been throwing things on on the field, but I'm curious your thoughts on the SEC handing down a punishment to Tennessee after there didn't appear to be a punishment when South Carolina fans threw things on the field during a Florida game uh, a couple years ago, and and then obviously the the Ole Miss basketball game when Tennessee was in attendance has been well documented the last couple of days. I mean, just what's your theory on as to why there's been this ginormous reaction all of a sudden when this isn't the first instance in things being thrown on the field or the court? Because there's so many eyeballs on it. I mean, how many eyeballs are on the Tennessee Ole Miss game in basketball? I mean, like, everybody forgets about little stuff like, oh, it happened three years ago. I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, and like, my issue is never, it's kind of like, okay, let's not make this political, okay? It's like, my, 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 my thing with masks. If the rule is mask, cool. I'm, I can put one on. But don't be selective about it. Like, don't go, well, you know, he works for ESPN, so he don't have to wear one. Or, you know, you know, it's okay to have one on, you know, on the elevator, or not have one on on the elevator, but you have to wear it on four or five. Like, you know, let's make everything the same. And I think that's Tennessee's fan. That's, that's how they feel. Like, okay, you're going to find us? Fine. So where's the fine for those two incidents you just talked about? Like, like rules are rules. That's fine to have. But let's have the ruling across the board, which goes back to officiating, which goes back to replays, which goes back to rulings from the NCAA or the SEC. Like, none of it is ever uniform. It's just, you know, oh, well, yeah, we're not going to do it this week. Next week, oh, yeah, hammer them. Like, I mean, like, there's no, like, consistency and that's where um, that's people problem. get mad. That's where people get frustrated. And I get it. I mean, like, again, you know, it, it, you want it just to be uniform. You want to be treated the same as everyone else. And, and I think if that happens, you're still going to have a few that are, like, you know, raising cane about it because that's, that's anything in life. But I think most people are going to accept any of that stuff if everyone is treated the same. Austin, awesome. before we get you out of here, 
any injury updates on Cade Mays, Hendon Hooker, and, and what do you think happens at quarterback this weekend? Well, yeah, I, I think Hendon has a possibility to play. I, I don't see it. Um, you know, the good news is it's not long-term, not ligaments, it's not, you know, anything that's going to keep him out for any kind of substantial time frame. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, you might miss this game. You know, Cade, I would call him questionable to doubtful at this point. Uh, you know, it's the same ankle that he injured last time um, a year ago. Um, again, with, with treatment, pot potentially can go Saturday. But, you know, ankles are so finicky. And then with Cooper, you know, I mean, he's dressed out the last two weeks, but for whatever reason they've not felt the need to play him. So, obviously, he's good enough to be in an emergency guy. And I kind of, you know, pulled Josh Heupel over to the side yesterday after he talked, and I, and I asked him about Cooper. And, and that was kind of, you know, the, the tale I got in talking to him. I mean, he, he's not big on talking about injuries, but the feel I got was, you know, Cooper is not – 100% yet, but, like, if they needed him, then he would be able to go. But, like, there's also, when you when you put a kid in like that, there's a chance that you re-aggravate everything and you have to start, you know, all the rehab over again. So, yeah. you know, I think they like to get him back fully healthy before he goes out on the field, which, again, depending on where he's at percentage-wise, why play him in this game Saturday? I had this debate with somebody on Quest last night. You know, who's, you know, who's a traditionalist. It's Alabama. It'll bring on, and I'm like, that's fine. I get it. But, like, if the kid's 70% or 75% but can be 100 by Kentucky, why put him out there against Alabama, a game you've not won since 2006, that you have probably, what, 10 15% chance to win? Why put him out there and potentially re-aggravate and then cause them to, you know, miss Kentucky, a game that Tennessee can win, you know, coming up in, in 19, 18 days? No, I agree. No, I agree. AP, uh, tonight, Tennessee Prime, uh, Augusta's Fried Chicken, and um, AP, man, who do we got today? Well, sometimes when I announce the guests, I, I, you know, I worry, uh, you know, because they do have meetings and stuff, and stuff gets pushed back. No, we've never only had one. We've always had two, but Cade Mays will be there. And since it's a fellow offensive lineman, Jerome Carvin, I can say with enough blink of an eye, Jerome Carvin will be out with Cade Mays. So those will be the two tonight. At Gus's world-famous fried chicken on Sutherland Avenue. I look forward to it. Be there tonight. I look forward to it. Uh, AP, big thanks, man. Anything for you, buddy. Nothing for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> awesome Price, VolQuest.com. His time is brought to you by Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty. 865-257-7897 is her telephone number. Her email is morris 865 at Gmail. So if you are want to invest in real estate, you want to buy real estate, you want to sell, call Jennifer Morris. Not just talking about it. We living it over here. Ben McKee. Purchase his first home with the help of Jennifer Moore. So give her a call. Let her help you. She is the best. Also, what's the best is riding around, looking good, feeling good with your official UT license plate. They are available from county clerk offices across the state of Tennessee. $15 of the $35 
annual specialty plate fee will go to support student scholarships. To talk to your county clerk or visit alumni.utk.edu for more information. As for the KA plate, which stands for Knoxville Alumni or Alumni, $15 of the $35 will go support student scholarships. So very, 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 very important. Uh, you get what you want, which is style, which is representing your squad, and we get a chance to help um, some young volunteers pursue their dreams, and that is going to school at the University of Tennessee. So um, good stuff there. I want to take a look at our polls, get an update on which atmosphere is the best or was the best because both happened in the past. Oklahoma game 2015 or the 2021 Ole Miss game this past Saturday. What we have here, the results, 82% Ole Miss, 18% Oklahoma. Recency bias, you think, played in a little bit of a part there, Ben? Yes. Or you I, truly I, believe I, it's that lopsided? No, it, it's not that lopsided. The, the, the little details have improved since the, the Oklahoma game in terms of uh, what the, the lights and, and music and, and all that stuff, fireworks, that, that has enhanced the atmosphere since – since the old or uh, since the Oklahoma game, but it's not that lopsided. It's not that lopsided. You really have to split hairs to discuss which one is better. I, I was at the Oklahoma game. It yeah. was just as loud, just as great of an environment. I said earlier that I refuse to pick one. If I had to pick one, I would say Ole Miss, only because of the details that I have mentioned several times. Over the last hour, the the new lights, the fireworks, the the running out of the tee with the spotlight, turning the lights off when, when they when they did, that would be the only reason I would push it over the top. But in terms of just pure noise, Oklahoma game was just as good. I thought Oklahoma game was was loud loud for longer. So from um, because. Tennessee gave the fans more of a reason to be louder for longer. Um, we jumped on them early. I think the fireworks, the lights, whoo, man, how do you go against that? You can't go against that, but you know, I was there in the stands, and a couple of the third down conversions, fourth down conversions, the drop punt, the penalty, there was multiple deflations, multiple, and you got down twenty-four to nine. Yeah, at one point, down two touchdowns. Multiple, multiple deflations. So um, you got to take that. You got to take that consideration uh, for sure. Hour number three, powered by Low T Center and LowTCenter.com, and Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all of your levels checked. Not just your testosterone levels, though, uh, but it starts with that wellness exam. It's annually where they do the comprehensive health assessment, so you know all the numbers that are important to your health, men. Self-inject at home, 
treatments are just $155 a month for self-pay or it's covered by most health insurance. They offer the self-inject monitored home testosterone treatments. Really, really simple, really easy with the guidance of the Low T Center team to help you. Go to their website, lowtcenter.com, reinventing men's health care. Big thanks to Austin Price. Big thanks to Josh Pate for joining the show. Good stuff this morning. Tennessee, Alabama, this weekend. It is the third Saturday in October. We will break that game down more tomorrow than we did today, and we look forward to you being with us tomorrow starting at 7 a.m. If you miss any part of the show, make sure to go check out the podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Even leave a comment. That will help as well. Hope you have a great day. Peace and love. We are out. Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue.